Hello and welcome to episode number 371 of the Super Horror Bros podcast. I'm your host Matt and joining me as always is my brother Mike. Hello. How's it going? Pretty good, pretty good. We are back, uh, back with a, a very exciting film um, that we've mm. been excited for for a little while, uh, Cinema Horror, which has been a little while actually since we've seen one of those. I'm trying to think, when was the last one? Um in a while yeah. yeah yeah it was wasn't it because i think then we saw the creator just after that um yeah but uh so yeah that was joyous um hopefully this week <laughs> goes better than that one um already put you in a bad mood <laughs> yeah. you're welcome yeah well we've got some good good stuff to talk about this week like i say a very exciting movie um which we'll get to mm. but uh, a couple of new stories here which are cool um we probably won't have too much to say about them because these are both early on especially this first one but they're they're both about two uh, a TV show and a creator that are near and dear to our hearts. Um, this first one's nice. Uh, like I say, probably won't have too much to say about it, but uh, Variety are reporting today that Netflix have uh, put up a series order for a new season of Black Mirror. Um, so this will be the seventh season of the show. Um, obviously, the latest season uh, aired earlier this year after, what was it, like a three-year hiatus, I believe. Um so it was long overdue and we obviously got five episodes i you know two of them were were incredible in my opinion um and two of them were very enjoyable as well so overall a great great season um and i'm super happy like it's one of those things that feels like a no-brainer so it's not like you know oh thank god it's got a new season like chucky um but it's also great because who knows with rights and stuff maybe they could move elsewhere maybe charlie is just done with it like he talked a lot in that gap and kind of post covid about like what does he even want to do with black mirror anymore um and i think we saw a very different season this year um so i'm excited for them to continue to develop the show like i don't want it to just stay in the past and always be about well what if ai was a bit shit huh like we've seen that and we've seen it done extremely well so i'm all for for vampires or werewolves all that mad shit um but yeah what, what do you think about uh an, another season on netflix yeah i mean we're so much to the point where black mirror is real yeah exactly so you know he's predicted the future um he can't keep doing it like the simpsons so why not you know branch out to other things but yeah it, it's great like black, black mirror is a fantastic tv show and i do think it is something that you know with with these big budget tv shows or these netflix tv shows and that it's not a given you know and it's like you know we were talking about the last of us and saying you know just because we got season two coming season three isn't a given like it's a mad budget it's you know all of this money and it's the same with like black mirror we don't know we're ever getting any more i almost mm. feel like in the tv world right now something like chucky that is just it feels like they've got the actors loving it so much that it, they could almost make the show for free. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it feels like, even though that feels like that should be more difficult, I just feel like the budget just helps it so much. Whereas, yeah, something like a black mirror is, you know, especially when, if they want to be ambitious with episodes and go into space and have CG creature effects and all this stuff, like it's not cheap. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm glad that we're, we're going to be getting more and it's important that it, it keeps the core people as well. You know, I don't want Netflix to keep the license and, you know, Charlie is not heavily involved Yeah, because that is also something that could happen, which would, which would be egregious at this point. Yeah, they are uh, name checked in this article, thankfully. So Charlie mm, Brooker yeah. and Annabelle Jones who have kind of been the lead yeah. uh, two writers for, uh, certainly when it's been on Netflix. So yeah, that is 
a very good point like you say i mean it, it's just not black mirror without charlie brooker I, i'd be no. i'd be morbidly curious to see what other creators would do with it um but it, it's not black mirror without charlie um and like you rightly said i think with a lot of other tv shows um you have that kind of core cast and crew that you can rely on and so you know what you're going to do whereas yeah like black mirror is crazy because essentially it was five films that they did this year mm. um mm. and you have film level actors and like say these massive budgets for each episode so um and i was surprised we even got five this year um but that might have been because of obviously there being such a big gap the fact that we're already hearing about this potentially going into pre-production soon i imagine this is probably going to be 2025 um and maybe it'll be you know three episodes or something um which i'll be totally fine with as well um so yeah very very happy to see that um and then yeah next up this is pretty cool um a movie a movie in fact that we have talked about in the news one that we're extremely excited for because of course it's from the man himself mike flanagan um returning to the film world after just making yet another um absolute masterpiece on television like i'm always lost for words when i try and comprehend how good flanagan is i I truly think he's one of those few um certainly for the podcast and what we've got to cover where you just run out of things to say because it's Mm. unfathomable how much quality content he's put out in these years like it's just ridiculous and i like so I, i always thought oh when i saw hill house when i saw midnight mass i was like there's no way he's gonna do this again and then he's arguably done his best thing ever in in house of usher so obviously he's coming off the back of that we know he's doing a film finally the first one since doctor sleep um which is of course the life of chuck um based upon a short a very short uh, stephen king story um and they've now wrapped production um so i'm assuming this will be coming next year (laughs) yeah probably before year end (laughs) yeah he he had to squeeze it in there um and he he put out a few tweets there which is interesting and definitely this last one is is probably a a big conversation point for us but I'll, i'll kind of go over them quickly um he says that's a wrap on the life of chuck this has been a tenacious little miracle of a movie from the start and i'm forever indebted to this wonderful cast and crew this film is deeply special to me and i'm elated that it's going to exist in the world um next one's interesting because it kind of gives us a little bit of a flavor of what it is um it's been a long time since i made something truly independent and it fed my soul to be back in the indie world where it all started especially here in alabama where we shot oculus before i wake hush and gerald's game um he then goes on to talk about how amazing the cast is which of course um he then thanks uh, the producers and the production companies and such um as well as many thanks of course to stephen king for trusting me with this beautiful fragile joyful story um he then goes on to say um which is really interesting um i'm now back in la to edit cannot wait and start the road of expectation setting that the life of chuck isn't a horror film um he then goes on to thank some more people and says that's a wrap again so interesting to see this obviously to say that again yeah he took the long road of expectation setting that life of chuck isn't a horror film now this story um which i am definitely going to read because it's such a short story um has been compared to more of the stand by me green mile type stuff um in king's um backlog which obviously aren't horror films either um so it's it's obviously going to have that drama and the heart and the soul which is so key to everything that flanagan does but maybe not necessarily the scares and the horror as well um so 
maybe this isn't what we wanted because obviously we wanted him to make a horror mm. film and he's the guy that's now flat out saying he isn't making a horror film but i'm not too worried um to be honest um it is just we, we love the heart and the soul of, of i think his shows and ultimately i think the horror is like sprinkled on as this little added extra for me um and maybe that will mean on a personal level we won't enjoy it as much because if you took just the drama of those epic tv shows they would still be incredible but they probably wouldn't speak to us as much if they weren't um tinged in that genre um but what do you make of this is is this a cause to for concern is it to panic or is it just a you know it is what it is and like i say it is being compared to stephen King's stories that we know aren't aren't particularly horror films either and they turned out pretty well yeah i think that's the thing is that um you know, King can be great when he's horror adjacent and so can Flanagan. And like you say, his, you know, Midnight Mass and um, uh, House of Usher are both things that, yeah, there's a lot of horror in them, but it's the heart and the story and the connections that, that you know, I, I love. And I was thinking to myself, if Flanagan was adapting Stand By Me, would that be a banger? And I was like, my God, wouldn't it be a banger? And would I would I want to see that? Hell yeah, I would. You know, so I don't know what this short story is, but you know, if it's if it is one of these more adjacent things that's character driven, more indie, and and you know, yeah, I think I think you know that that can be really fantastic. And you know, see what else is thrown in there. You know, I think a lot of uh, I mean, it, the movie does become truly terrifying. But something like Gerald's Game, you know, there's a lot of it that's non-horror, really. It's just mm. tension and, and the situation. Um, you know, it's just that when the dial gets turned on the horror, it scared the bejesus out of me. But, um, you know, if, you'd have take, if you took a very little bit out of that movie, it's not – would you then describe it as a horror movie? Mm. You know, so, um, so yeah, no, I'm, I'm just, just excited for Flanagan as always I am, yeah i am as well like it, it's so cool to see that this is the real deal that it's done and it's the next thing um and like i said we'll be pretty soon so that's mm. incredibly exciting um and th the one thing that i am going to try and block from my mind is once we get to this movie actually coming out is like the first time when i saw this earlier today i couldn't help but think that this is almost like the complete perfect opposite of what we got with jordan peele um because i always think back to him just firmly tweeting out us is a horror film um before release and that stuck with me so much because i remember off the back of get out he had the world at his feet and he could have made anything um and he was so insistent on making his most true horror movie out of all mm -hmm. three of the films he's made um so and and i ended up adoring that film and so i always feel like this is another guy that i equally love saying i'm not this isn't a horror film like it could not be the exact opposite more and i'm not going to hold it against the film or anything but it's just interesting and that, that that's something that sprung into my head when i first saw this um but like i say i'm sure we're gonna love whatever he does anyway um so yeah very exciting news there um yeah. but shall we get to this week's film let's do it let's talk about thanksgiving So yeah, this uh, this film has probably one of the the steepest histories that we've had for a, a film that we've covered on the show. 
Which is just, um, just one of the most unique histories for a horror movie, full stop, really, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there really isn't many. That Obviously, there are a few movies that we'll get to now that did this same path, um, but it certainly wasn't this many years in the making and certainly wasn't as unlikely um, because I really thought this, along with um, probably Edgar Wright's Don't, being the biggest one of like that's never going to be a thing which would have been incredible and obviously we got a honest i thought rob zombies was one of the most likely it definitely was and and obviously we're already gone off on a tangent which is brilliant because we get to talk (laughs) about this stuff but like my my theory because you're absolutely right out of all of them that was the most fully fleshed out movie but apparently when he first cut that together his trailer was like 58 minutes long (laughs) of course it was so he basically shot the film and so i think that's why he never revisited it because he he'd shot a film and obviously once they weren't going to make the film within those yeah like i would like to see that for sure but obviously it was just selection of scenes to be used coolly in a trailer which is what it was but i almost feel like he creatively satisfied that need um so it was almost frustrating frustrating that he went too hard in making such a sick trailer because i i was convinced that would have made an awesome feature for rob um definitely but like we say yeah this started in 2007 with the amazing grindhouse release obviously <clears throat> kind of the two big features obviously both planet terror and um death proof from robert rodriguez and quentin tarantino um prior to the first movie planet terror we got the fake trailer for machete um which then end- ended up spawning two films um in 2010 and machete kills in 2013 absolutely love those films so much um and then yeah we got the fake trailers in the middle as the kind of you know the buffer of the of the feature length um which yeah featured this trailer thanksgiving directed by eli roth as well as what we just mentioned the other two being edgar wright and rob zombie pretty much all of our favorite people and it's probably it's hard for me to remember if i if i loved them all then like i'm sure i did or all this might have just been why i ended up loving them all but it almost felt too perfect of like how are these five people yeah how are these the five people that are involved in this at like, the same we time absolutely loved all of those directors of the trailers but at that point no, you're absolutely right because we would have seen house of thousand corpses we would have loved um shawn of the dead and hot fuzz and we would have loved the, the hostel movies because yeah. <laughs> we saw them in the cinema so yeah it's it's crazy that the, i remember at the time i was it's why i look back on it and if i have like a cheat answer for what my favorite film is like say grindhouse because i can just include all of the shit and basically have like seven films at this point um but yeah it was it was a special time and yeah the th- i always loved the thanksgiving trailer i just rewatched it after seeing the film um because it's just so preposterous and, and i loved eli's reason at the time where he said like there's all of these classic slasher films based upon famous holidays and for some unknown reason there isn't one based upon thanksgiving um and so he lent into that he made it as preposterous as possible having you know turkeys involved and the, the way the killer looks and all of this these absurdities um and so to try and figure out how you fit that in a narrative 16 years later um Mm. is pretty mind-blowing and i still can't believe he'd done this having now watched it like i can't believe we saw eli roth's feature-length thanksgiving movie i think Um, i think that's the thing i think everything we've just said is for such a finite amount of people yeah i think like coming off the back of that watching 2023 thanksgiving it's it's not a movie that was being restrained by a trailer that was made you know so many years ago it Mm. it it, it is this fully fleshed out idea this cohesive movie you know and i think 
you know, the thing that was fun about Machete was seeing all of these ludicrous scenes in the mm-hmm. movie, and and at times they were just so preposterous. Whereas this yeah. is, you know, this is trying to be a, a, a serious movie, and when you delve into this, um, you know, what it's actually about is is really clever. You know how it's it's expanded above, you know, above and beyond what you know the holiday Thanksgiving is, and really delves into black friday and consumerism and all of that stuff which you know wasn't prevalent as much when the 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 trailer was even made Mm, you know how long has black friday been mad in the states you know yeah it's relatively new like it's been around but yeah it's really the last five or six maybe even going to pushing it to a decade where it's really gone crazy yeah i'd say a decade or so Mm. um but yeah and and yes you know this this movie um and and again like opening scene of this movie um it it doesn't it you know going into kind of synopsis it doesn't start with a um you know you think you're going to see a slasher movie and this movie just starts with like the multiple characters being introduced a lot of connecting threads and all centered around a, a group of friends meeting for a thanksgiving meal and at the same time kind of going off to either work in or shop at the um, Black Friday sale that's now happening. And it was like a, it was a really great horror take on Black Friday mm-hmm. where it's just like, it's, you know, Black Friday is just hilarious. And the way that people go mad for stuff is hilarious. And the way that he played into this with different groups playing off each other, winding each other up, this kind of, preposterous offer of a waffle iron for the first hundred people just all of these different things and characters that that really made this an incredibly enjoyable open scene opening scene where it's a long scene um Mm. and i wish it was longer like when i was in it i was like well i'm seeing a slasher movie and i'm like 15 minutes in and i'm we're seeing this black friday chaos but i'm loving it and and i thought it was just it, it really helped set the tone of what this movie was. And, and basically the Black Friday sale becomes very quickly a riot and people get trampled and people die and, and people get badly injured. Um, people connected to our kind of cast in the opening scene and kind of, you know, absolute chaos ensues. And once the, once the scene finishes, we flash to a year later and it's just such a great kind of horror trope, you know, mm. very Halloween, very, um, this movie invoked a lot of my bloody Valentine for me. Yeah. Um, I really love that movie. And, and this movie just massively reminded me of it. It felt like a throwback. This feels like a cheesy 80 slasher. There's, there's so many, um, cliches in this and, and, and throwbacks, but, but they all feel, just wholesome if you love these sorts of movies like i said it it, you know for me my bloody valentine was the one that this movie really reminded me of in the end and um and yeah and basically we're a year later and there is now a a killer um in in do you you remember the mask who the mask was yeah it's uh john carver that's the one john carver and um uh yeah and basically this killer is going around seemingly extracting a, a revenge of sorts although the motives aren't clear straight away of the 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 black friday riots and 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 avenging you know whoever 
Um, however, this person feels wronged during during those events. Um, so you know, it's this it's classic slasher of who done it. We have some we have sprinkling with a lot of kills and and this core cast that are trying to unearth it. And the, and the thing that's really strange about it for me was. Um, watching it and all the way throughout it it was invoking um black christmas and and um, not black christmas sorry my bloody valentine and 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 like a lot of 80 slasher movies and even and i was thinking to myself this feels like an old movie and yet a lot of it is actually centered around really modern tech yeah you know we we have a lot of live streams we have a lot of um the killer sending you know tweets and instagrams and that sort of stuff and and it, it really is in the modern world, which when I walked away from it, I was like, oh, that's a great throwback. And I'm like, God, it's not a throwback at all, because it it really does, you know, really does stamp its foot in that this is 2023. This is the, this is the tech that we've got right now. And, and this is the time and the place. And so um, I found that a really interesting angle that even though it did those things and was very modern, it still evoked a lot of those 80s slasher feelings for me and 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 i walked away feeling like i watched an 80s movie even though clearly it's surrounded in modern tech yeah i don't think we've ever seen another horror film do that so well in Mm. terms of it's trying to be such an 80s throwback slasher in in tone in execution in in its uh subtle uses of comedy but not going too crazy with it and kind of killer motivations twists and turns in the final act chase sequences kills all of this stuff is straight from that from that playbook but then like i say it, it is firmly grounded in 2023 right now that's mm. when the movie's set and it uses everything that we have right now to the best of its ability because it would have been very easy and i almost think that the original trailer was an 80s piece i think because it just I looked think it was like yeah, yeah and the, it. the characters were dressed and stuff maybe even 70s aesthetic and i love that that because that, that would have been almost too easy like it would have just been like oh yeah this is that you know this is the thanksgiving movie that should have been made in the 80s and i'm so much happier that he decided to take it that angle and then go okay well how are we going to incorporate live streaming and social media and i think all of those things like what you said are done so flawlessly where we do have a in my opinion like a traditional classic masked killer for a slasher film like the john carver look the mask the weapons the attire the hat all of that is just such a classic look mixed with these more modern elements and typically we see something go even more extremely modern like an unfriended and stuff like that that is so solely rooted in modern tech um or we have something like terrifier that is just like that feel that is trying so hard to be of its of its era and it does it very well um but when you see like you know him taking a selfie or something it feels a little bit weird like i almost lose it slightly when when there is those small moments in terrifier where i'm taken out of it when i see an iphone Whereas those things feel completely natural here, which which I thought was crazy. Like, I didn't actually think that was possible until seeing this film. And I'm like, oh, it is possible. Someone just did it. Yeah, it's mad, isn't it? It's mad. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you know, I think uh, what, what this film did as well is just have some really good kills in it and had some mm. really good just um, scenes that made me react in the cinema, you know, and it felt like a fun 
popcorn horror when you're just seeing these gnarly kills and and you know i'd probably say as a criticism that the they they did slow down you know and were quite spaced out and i would have i could have done with it um having having a bit more of those kills in because i really enjoyed them mm. i think um especially in the finale the, yeah and and well the, the middle act uh, when when we get a couple of characters disappear in the school and I, and I felt like that scene just was, it was so quick and it was to kind of, yeah, get people in the final act. Our final act is very heavy with people. And um, instantly that goes back, to, it, it goes down to, to two people. It goes down to our lead girl and, and the killer. And I'm like, so there's just all these multiple people that are tied up. And I'm like, they could have had cool death. Like, I don't need them alive when the credits roll. Like I think, I think like you know, slimming down your cast as a as a as a trope of the slasher movie is a very important thing. And we probably we have a lot of cast members, you know, like main main characters that that survive to, to you know throughout the whole movie, really. Mm. Whereas you know, normally it's kind of final girl and and one or two others. You know, this has got quite a high number. Yeah, this was one of the only parts about this movie for me that really stood out as, like, exterior middling, mm. where it really felt like a producer or the production company stepped in and said, look, if this movie makes, like, $100, $150 million, we're going to make another one, um, and you need to leave four or five of these cast members alive. Yeah, you've got to have the core four, baby, now. Exactly. Like, it's, it's the most impact I've seen post-Scream on any film so far, mm. where that was interesting when we got to scream five and we had those four characters survive that was like a twist and it was cool it was like oh shit and we're so thankful for that now because then we get to scream six um but I, that is worry going forward is that i feel like if we do see other great slasher films and these are all great slasher films start to do this this is going to become a problem and this was noticeable to me where i was like god there was at least two or three of like i get it you have like your lead girl or whatever but when like the lead girl's side friend and the lead girl's side friend's love interest is surviving. Yeah, like they're what fodder. Doing? <laughs> yeah, they, they are fodder. Like, and mm. and I think as well that like with a movie like this, especially with the killer um, targeting people of this riot, I, I love the fact that like it was like, oh yeah, that lady that worked in the calf, she was going nuts doing the riot, <laughs> yeah. and like, oh yeah, I'm now going to go after a security guard, and it was like, yes, yeah, so oh, was so could, good. You know, he he you know the the killer could have been after like the core you know the core half a dozen people but but yeah has another seven or eight on his wish list and we can just cut to this scene of a you know a woman in a flat and it's like oh yeah you you whack someone around the head with a waffle iron mm. you know you're now going to get your face smashed with a waffle iron it's like yeah you know i just think and we did a, get that a, as well didn't we, we for did. a good portion but then yeah it just completely stopped that for yeah. the finale <laughs> and, and i kind of wish we'd have got it for longer but i you know i guess that's just wanting more of a good thing because i think yeah the, the kills are really good and every one of those scenes was just a fun suspenseful scene and you know and we had the like you say these these kind of laughs where they're not overtly funny but like the killer coming back and feeding the cat and and mm. just stuff like that where it's like yeah, it just it just has this charm of the these these eighties movies that we love, you know, these slasher movies, um, and and I think that was what um, you know re- really stuck with me, and and it shouldn't it shouldn't really be a surprise when when you look at um, you know who, who's in the director's chair, you know, I think Eli Roth is so synonymous with with horror, and it's kind of 
you know, you look at um, what he's done with the horror genre, just kind of having all of these different presents and, and uh, you know, producer credits and all of these crazy stuff like that. And But you actually forget, like, how banger his, like, when he's in the, the director's chair, how banging his horror movies are. Mm. It's really interesting with Eli. Like, uh, I do want to take a moment just to talk about him because, yeah, he's one of the most kind of famous horror names of this era of horror that we're in Mm. and it's wild that this is the first time we've got to feature one of his films for the show um because like i say broke onto the scene with hostel and hostel part two and this thanksgiving trailer the same year then it was a big gap um he obviously then returned with the green inferno and knock knock um kind of just prior to us starting the show um and then since then he's only done death wish um which is more of a thriller revenge thriller um and then the house with a clock in its walls it was kind of like a kid friendly fantasy type film um so it's it's wild that we nearly did death wish didn't we we nearly did like and the other one yeah because it was was... like death wish it came out like the same day as is something big yeah there was a lot in 2018 it was around like Mm. quiet place and that sort of stuff but um yeah it is nice to be like no this is a firm horror film um because he has strayed away and he probably (laughs) hasn't got the filmography that his not his reputation deserves but like when i think about eli roth yeah i'd probably think he's got at least four or five like banging horror films and he's probably getting there now but like it feels like you always go back to hostel and hostel part two and then you have to start to go okay well yeah green inferno knock knock they're pretty cool and like especially from the slasher perspective because when you see this guy do all of these documentaries and interviews and stuff he is the biggest fan i've ever seen ever of of specifically slasher films you know he is the quentin tarantino for slasher films he has that walk-in encyclopedia knowledge and that love Mm. of slashers and so it's crazy that yeah there's there's moments of that in hostel but he's never made a straight-up slasher before yeah and you know you think like even cabin fever it was like Mm. it was it was like there was a killer but obviously it's this disease instead of anything else you know and it's this infection and it's just yeah you know it it is a shame, I you know, and especially when you see a movie like this, when it is just so well-crafted and it's such a great slasher movie, you know, as, as someone that is a huge fan of the subgenre, like, you know, it, it yeah, I, I wish he would, uh, you know, he's, I wish he has more to his name. Yeah, and that's what's weird is that this feels like a movie that we should have got probably ten years ago. Yeah, um, you know, especially with the green with the grindhouse stuff, of course. Like that was when Machete and it was being greenlit and the sequel and stuff. So mm. it would have made perfect sense that this would have come out probably five to six years after Grindhouse, not the sixteen. But that's kind of irrelevant now because we have this film, um, and I'm so thankful that we do. Pun intended, because it really is. I'm glad you mentioned Cabin Fever as well because I just completely forgot about that. Um, <laughs> but like he he really does now have like for me these four great horror films um that that you can kind of they are four bangers as well yeah they're fantastic and they're like obviously the two hostile movies are going to be the most similar of course but they're very different vibe to all of them you know cabin fever being a much more grounded thing um and then getting to this which is i think easily his best mix of of comedy into the horror with like you say this doesn't 
this absolutely isn't a comedy horror for anyone who hasn't seen this film yet. Like, that's not what this is. But no. it is a great horror film with some good laughs, um, which I think is always welcome. Yeah, well, I think um, he did that really great in Cabin Fever as well. He did, yeah. The characters in that were very funny. And, and, you know, different things. What was it, Dr. Mambo and stuff when he was in it, you know? Yeah, and it was, it was very funny in that. I think this was more of, like, the visual. This had yeah. such a good visual um, humor to it. Yeah, and just just this, yeah, like I say, it was just a really, it, for me, this was a fantastic cinema watch, mm. you know, the, the, it, it truly felt like a throwback popcorn horror movie, and, and one that, that I, in particular, want to champion, because it's way more in my wheelhouse than where the genre has been in recent years, you know, mm. where it's like, yeah, you know, going to see this, you know, the most recent Scream movie and this in the same year. The, these are these are personal highlights for me because they are in the genre that I love. And, and, and yeah, and I just think, um, you know, I, I hope that the movies, you know, the fact that Scream is got DNA in these movies, even if it's not always positive, like we've spoken about, I, I hope that it does keep this, this slasher genre in in the uh, you know on the big screen in in future years yeah i do as well and i really hope this movie does well because mm. um it's going to be a hard sell you know it's a it's a random new name and there isn't any big stars or anything to kind of sell this film um mm. so and, and like i say it is a new it's weird because obviously it's from a fake trailer but this is a new ip and we always want to see that and champion that yeah, not um, a holiday that is celebrated, like, yeah, apart from in the major territory. But Yeah, know, that's, another, that's another thing that I'm really, again, thankful for, is I I was convinced that even when this got announced, where I was like, well, we're not getting this, because mm. this is such an American-based film. Um, and so the fact that this has, has got a worldwide day one release for us in the UK was all, was still shocking to me because, because the, cause obviously we just don't have, we don't celebrate Thanksgiving in the UK for people that don't know. And so obviously like you grow up on so much American media throughout your whole life that I've been aware of the holiday my entire life. Yeah, and I'm sure most cool. people have, but like, it is one of those strange yeah. ones that we all know when it is, we all know it's kind of mid November. And obviously I think with the rise of black Friday, people are probably even more aware of Thanksgiving now. Um, and we're kind of aware of the history of america and what and why it's steeped in but like it is wild that um you know it's not celebrated here and, and the fact that there is a movie in the cinema called thanksgiving which is this hard 18 slasher mm. um so so cool like it's it's a joy um and i'm just i can't believe that this turned out was good i really thought this would be a movie that i would mm. have to almost bend over backwards and be like yeah, yeah it because obviously i have so much love for grindhouse and i would have to find a way of going yeah but well this bit wasn't as shit as i thought it was going to be but it's like it's actually just great yeah like eli roth doing a horror movie doing a slasher movie doing everything else it it it, yeah it feels like something we'd want to love regardless of the fact Mm. that you can just just sit back and really enjoy it um i think as well something that we've not touched upon is just how well crafted all of the characters were like our main characters really you know, we we it was centered around the the, the family that owns the kind of the, the the big kind of shopping center where the, the the riot happened, and I love like the father figure and like all this stuff that he's done for charity in the twelve months, but it's still you know opening and and you know not not honoring that, and you know you know him with the wife and all of that was great, and then we kind of get to our lead character and her with the two love interests, and they were both hilarious. Like Bobby was like 
the quintessential jock that that you know ev- everyone loves and then the new boyfriend you know it, it, the fact that he was just like waiting in the wings to like pounce mm-hmm. and um he's so brilliant like ev- every scene that he's in with bobby is just fantastic yeah their just, energy was so good yeah you know just like he fucking hated him and he knew but he knew he was inferior to him as well and like it, it was just it was just really good and i think it um you know with with something like that as well not only are they great characters and and the way that they were written gives us these great characters like with bobby with the um you know the injured man from the from the thanksgiving and everything it it also gave great motive to a lot of characters where it was like oh, okay you know bobby's had this thing happen the the the, the boyfriend is clearly not comfortable in his own skin he has motive the the dad has you know the um the 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 riots happened to him and everyone blames him why not why not create this killer to to have the attention on someone else you know there was just you know i just thought it was really great to to help with the, the whodunit um in a way that the um you know was all centered around this event and you know, really, when you, when you got to the end, you could have put that killer's mask in a lot of people, and it and it would have made perfect sense. Um, so yeah, I just think really well crafted characters, really well performed um, uh, by by all the actors, and and then and then the fact that it had the had the motive for for multiple people helped with the who done it for the for the overall movie. Yeah, it works as a who done it slasher very well. I think, like mm. I say, that has good equal motivations sprinkled throughout. Um, I personally wanted someone else to be the killer um, who wasn't, and but now I think now looking back on it, I'm totally fine with it because it was the obvious choice, um, especially for people that are fans of Eli's previous films, and I'll leave it at that. Um, but I really wanted him to be the killer because I really like that actor. Um, but I almost like that he's the obvious red heron because, of course, <laughs> he's not going to be the killer. So I did like that. It, now, thinking back on it now, I'm like, nah, it would have been too obvious. That was just the fanboy in me that really wanted him to be the killer. Um, yeah. But it was it was good. It was such a good time. Let's say there are so many memorable moments, so many good, fun kills. Those early stalk sequences when we kind of come back to this little town a year later, and we kind of get just these bloody scenes that are, that are really cool in terms of how over the top and violent they are. With like say this weird, they do the thing which is again such a staple of old horror films, and you don't really see this nowadays. Is like true dismemberment of bodies done in a funny way (laughs) like isn't it funny that this person got chopped in half (laughs) ha 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 like that is what this film's going for you know like oh look at their funny little legs sticking out of the bin isn't that hilarious it's like it's such a brutal like i wonder how this would read for a more casual audience um because obviously for us i think it is playing into that and that's that's the eli touch where like he's clearly having a hilarious time be like look at the look at their little legs sticking out of the bin isn't that funny whereas i feel like for a for a normie seeing someone get chopped in half is just going to be like brutal yeah i know what you mean <laughs> it's not going to be funny <laughs> i think it is great as well though just to see um like like you said you could imagine him having a great time on set being like mm. let's hang her up from the sign like yeah. like what he's like that'd be that'd be great and it's like how are we gonna make this look and it's just you know it 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 felt like a passion project and it felt like something he had fun making. And I hope now he's done this and made this and had the fun that it just, it, it's ignited something to keep him 
within the genre, I mean, in particularly in the slasher genre, would be fantastic. And just being a, you know, getting some output because he really does produce great horror movies. Yeah, for sure. I think I'm glad we got this now and, and who knows for the future. But obviously his next project, which is coming out, which he'd shot, I believe, before this, is obviously the Borderlands film is out next mm. year, which has had such a turbulent production. And it's a film that I have zero interest in ever seeing anyway. Um, but that's such a shame that it's going to be like another Eli film that I'm just not going to see because no, no. I've not seen those other two. Um, so yeah. that'll be six of his films that I just have no interest in. And like that's... That's such a shame because I truly love this guy. I think he's one of the best of this era, truly. Um, and certainly impactful. You know, what he did as an indie film in Cabin Fever, and, and there's no denying that the the kind of effects of Hostel is still being felt. Um, mm. So, yeah, I'm so glad that we got this. Like, this is such a win for the horror crowd, I think, and it's one that Eli has kind of given back to us where he's finally given us what we wanted you know like yeah. he's and, and i i always feel like robert is this is what robert Rodriguez has done amazingly throughout his whole career is that he's always done like one for them one for me sort of thing you know he does mm. like his kids stuff on the side because he loves making that stuff and if you want to see them sh- I've, I've heard they're like great kids films like all the spy kids stuff and, and different things like he just did one this year for netflix mm. um but then he goes and makes like alita battle angel and like really awesome sci-fi or cool horror and, or crazy stuff like from dust till dawn and obviously you know one of the most stylized movies of all time in sin city like he's i think he's done that better than anyone in terms of working in multiple wheelhouses and never being put in a box and mm. i'd love to see Eli do that i'd love to see him make more mainstream stuff and obviously if he has a passion for it as well then great but then yeah make make a small thing like this this is this is so little for you um and i'm sure he gets sick and tired of, of working on like a big production but um like i say that's all speculation for the future i think for now it's just great time to just enjoy this uh gem of a film and i really hope like i say the uh the horror crowds enjoy this one because this is this is one for us like the, the, if you're listening to this podcast i mean you like you're listening to a horror podcast we are in the niche of the niche um this is who he's made this film for so uh in, hopefully enjoy it as much as we did um but yeah any any final words and obviously recommendation yeah, I mean, I think it's one that, you know, I've already said that this is a great cinema horror. So not only this is this just a hugely strong recommendation, this is a case of it really is a great thing to go watch at the cinema. And these are the sorts of movies that I want to champion being at the cinema more and more because I had a great time watching it. Yeah, undoubtedly, like uh, as strong of a cinema recommend as I could possibly give for any horror film this year. And yeah, go out enjoy it have a great time watching this really bloody crazy hilarious film on the big screen um because it deserves your time and money definitely and you won't you won't regret it it's such a such a fun time and it's what is i want to i'm actually curious was this about an hour and 40 yeah yeah um which feels right like it, it didn't it didn't overstay its welcome at all um and like i say it's it just it just ticks all the boxes it's it's rare we don't get to say this too often this year um but it's great to finally get one where we're just like that was great. I almost feel like we're not used to this type of conversation. No, it's Normally. great to come back to it. I would say, though, with the <laughs> runtime, with it being just over an hour and 40, I think it is a little long in tooth in the finale. Yeah. And, and you know, it, it, that was the little bit of fat that got it over that sweet spot. But I, I really still am I'm not complaining. Yeah, if we'd have just had, like, two more of those characters die in that last <laughs> yeah. sort of 10 or 15 minutes, yeah. it would have really helped. It, it, really, probably... it really would have put it to, to a, uh, an elite level. Yeah. I think, I think that's just what it was missing. 
I still really liked the finale. I loved where mm. we were. We were moving around. There was really cool cat and mouse chases. I liked the way the reveal was revealed and the kind of ensuing fight after that. But mm. yeah, it just it lacked that jeopardy because once it became a one on one fight, we knew that that person wasn't dying, and then it was like hey why is the rest of our cannon fodder just disappeared like there's there's one character in particular who i thought had just died and i'd forgot mm. and, and then they're like hugging someone at the end and i was like wait you survived and you were just gone and i'm guessing that was just because you they the film obviously wanted you to think they might have been the killer uh-huh. um which that's fair enough to do that with like one character but they like say there is at least two the where that i'm looking at where i'm like how the hell did you survive and it really is because you look at it and, and like say if this movie took off there is an easy four slash five characters you could pick up in a potential sequel um but i don't think this movie needs it i think it, that would be weird like it'd be interesting to see but this is so like i feel like this town was built for this moment like this tiny little town was built to have this tragedy this black friday tragedy and then see this massacre unfold one year later like it was all building towards that so I don't really need anything else after that. No, definitely um, but yeah, a great time Ch- uh, talking about a great film. Uh, that was our uh, discussion of Thanksgiving. Uh, we'll take a quick break and we will be right back. So yeah, that is uh, that is it for another week. Um, I'm sure we've both watched so many films over the last couple of weeks, and as we've had a week off, <laughs> um, I did want to touch upon two, not even the film necessarily, but kind of some things surrounding them. But um, I watched the Tremors 4K release. Um, finally long overdue and it's obviously awesome like i love tremors it's one of those movies for me that is like pure nostalgia like utterly pure nostalgia almost like a top five movie for me in terms of my nostalgia because i just we watched that so much when we were young and it really was one of those ones like the hills of eyes part two that i just remember us watching tremors and tremors 2 all the time to the point that like we had a video i believe that was recorded off like the tv that was missing like the first probably eight to ten minutes of the film because i always forget how the film starts and how it's about these two guys that are like trying to leave this place and everything just keeps going wrong and stopping them from leaving which is such a cool setup for the film um because i just remember when the guy's drilling and he hits the graboid that's like my memory of the start of the yeah, film yeah genuinely thought that was the start of the movie for yeah, a, i did for years and that's 11 minutes in the film <laughs> <laughs> and there's like multiple there's like a kill before that obviously they find the guy up on the tower and stuff so yeah i, I love tremors it's awesome um and i'm excited for the tremors uh, 2 4k release which i think is mm. next week actually um but i want to touch upon like a couple of things where the um there's a documentary that came out in 2020 on the disc uh, called back to perfection there was kind of a little 30 minute uh, 30 year anniversary documentary that was about 30 minutes long and it was great it was exactly what you'd want where it's just this quick hit you've got all of the cast and crew talking about this film um and i they have such an overwhelming love for the project mm. which is one of my favorite things when you see these retrospectives like especially obviously you, you get the crew and a lot of them they're they're they you kind of expect it but for kevin bacon he's always been so outspoken like he fucking loves tremor so much really and does. it's so nice to see a guy like that who 
he could easily just pretend he didn't do tremors but like he loves it it's what he always talks about it is one of his favorite films he's ever done in his whole career um and that obviously um was was proven when he was trying so hard to make that tv show um and i kind of went in a rabbit hole looking up that again where obviously we got a tremors show in like the early 2000s yeah um, but they were gonna do a tv show for the, so it's gonna be 25 years after the original film yeah we Kevin got a Bacon, yeah they well, shot and yeah so they shot a pilot which wasn't attached to a channel they kind of just made it and then tried to ship it to tv channels and sci-fi the one that were most interested um the trailer is online so people can watch the trailer and then there was like a pax panel where they showed it to a full crowd the full episode and like so there's a whole breakdown of what happens and who you know where where is his character 25 years later it's like with his daughter back in perfection and all that stuff but it, it sounded so good and it's it's crazy to me that now when you look back on what's happened in horror since this was i think 2015 so the last eight years has been riddled with legacy characters bringing back IP, horror convert into television and doing it brilliantly. It just blows my mind. And they had Kevin Bacon dying to be the lead in the TV show. <laughs> I know. And, and no one decided to make it. Yeah, I, I don't know how this has happened. Like, they got to try it again because I can't imagine it slipped through the, the cracks twice. But yeah, it was so cool. Like, he's he's talked about how he's never revisited any of his characters. And that's the only one that he's ever wanted to do. Um so yeah, like I, I can't say enough good things about yeah. Definitely watch that documentary if people haven't. Um, I think it's on YouTube as well, but it's on the 4K release um, called Back to Perfection. Um, absolutely fantastic. And then yeah, the other thing was just briefly, obviously the we have to always talk about Hellraiser because that seems to be our weekly segment. Which yeah. why not? Um, and yeah, obviously watched Hellraiser too, so I'm up to free now. But the the book that comes with that that amazing Quartet of Torment release is sensational <laughs> again like another thing we talk about with this release but obviously it looked nice and everything but actually reading it i've read most of it now and it's easily the best book arrow have ever done the the whole thing is a comprehensive behind the scenes making of of all four films and so going in from one to two to three and seeing that kind of the genesis of the original movie of course is amazing but then seeing how quickly they went into production on on two having pretty much everything the same as the first film other than clive in the in the director's chair mm -hmm. obviously him coming up with the story and 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 um one of the producers from the first film writing the script uh, based upon that story and stuff and then seeing it going to free and like slowly clive being more pulled away because he was writing books he was doing other films um it's just fascinating it gives you such a good insight on where those films were and how they were being made and of course we have like amazing documentaries as well but it was it was such a good read um so yeah i couldn't recommend that enough it's just another tick of like yep this just continues to be the best physical release ever made <laughs> in my opinion um so yeah i yeah. just wanted to give those two shout outs because yeah even though it's not necessarily about the films but i really enjoyed both of those um yeah i mean just just so we we stick to type and we talk about hellraiser and all the things we love <laughs> um in the in the past week i uh came good on a promise that i made i think I mean, certainly talking to you, but I'm pretty sure mm -hmm. it was on a podcast um, where I said I really want to watch the some Rob Zombie movies. And, yeah, I made good of that and watched House for a Thousand Corpses, Devil's Rejects and Three from Hell in the past mm -hmm. week. And, um, yeah, what a joy to behold. Um, it's like House for a Thousand Corpses is the one for me because it gets better every time doesn't it yeah because <laughs> i've always loved devils and always put devils on a pedestal yeah and um then you watch corpses and you're like it's such a banger 
and and it's so unique and the way it feels like a music video and just all of these vignettes it keeps cutting to and when it just when you first introduce baby and it like cuts to these interviews and it's like who the fuck is doing these interviews <laughs> like, what are these uh, they're, 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 just the movie is just madness yeah i know i feel like they exist <laughs> like in that world i think those interviews do exist and they've done them for some yeah weird self-preservation project um otis is incredible in it you know tiny and all these different things and you know and then and then going into devils like it, it doesn't disappoint you know it, it really is just a truly fantastic horror sequel um i pop so hard for tiny every time and mm, oh, so good that is like, one of like my favorite moments in any horror film ever is him coming back and saving them so fantastic i still remember Ooh. the first time when when that happened because obviously he's in the opening scene yeah and i was just convinced like oh it's cool that we got to see him but it is a shame he's not a part of this film mm. and so for him to come back in the way he did was like god this is so good yeah definitely definitely and, and i will say you know three three from hell watching it like you know removed from the hype of three from hell probably for one of the first times it was like i still really enjoy that movie i think the second half of it it has a lot to be desired for but the first half is a real banger still and and it's it it feels more just like this love letter where it's like here we go guys you're welcome like i'm gonna give you what you want you know you talk you talked before about you know rodriguez kind of doing one for one for the fans and one for him and, and everything. And it's like, yeah, this feels like it was Rob being like, do you know what? There's enough people that have asked for it. I'm going to give you it. And we're going to have a great time. Like Otis in particular, I think Otis doesn't feel like Otis for most of the movie. It feels like Bill Mosley having a great fucking time. <laughs> and like, I'm okay with that. Do you know what I mean? Like I'm okay with that and, and enjoying it. And I, and it's not to, I don't want to say, you know, that that's not to be disingenuous to the performance or say that, like, you know, he didn't he didn't recapture Otis or that wasn't a great Otis. It just felt like they were having a really good time and like ad libbing and just saying mad shit and like with Richard being involved as well and like because the Richard and like and and Mosley kind of scenes. I don't know how much of it was ad libbed and how much of it was scripted, but it just feels like they're just having a great time just playing these two horrific dudes like saying horrific shit um and and yeah it's fun for that reason but but i i don't you know i i think the first two movies are are superior for sure you know but it's still it's still a fantastic trilogy a great time all around yeah I, i'm gonna definitely do that over the christmas period as rewatch those three it's been like on my list for a while um and i'm yeah i can't wait like house is the one for me that mm. Like I mentioned before, I just it, I don't know how because I love the film, but it, I every time I rewatch yeah, I it, I go, it. yeah, I'm like, oh, this is better than I remember every single time. And it's funny because I always go back to when I first watched it and really liked it, probably you know, fifteen to twenty years ago, and really not liking the ending, like with the Doctor Satan stuff. Um, and it's so funny because that's just not even like I get excited for that now when I'm like, I, I love all of it. It's, it's all so good. And it does take this great, crazy turn. But I'm so like ready for it now. I'm like, oh, yeah, I can't wait to do all this mad shit. It's like it's so cool. That I have that feeling now because, yeah, that has mm. that has changed completely. Every single time I've rewatched it, I've enjoyed those parts even more. And then the other oh, bits I already love. So good. Yeah. It's it's awesome. So yeah, and, and like I say, there's obviously the other two are fantastic as well. So yeah, I, I can't wait to do that. Yeah, it's it's long overdue, and it's always a good time. Like you can't ever go wrong with watching those films, in my opinion. Um, nah, nah, you definitely can't. 
So yeah, we've been we've been both watching so much good shit, both off the podcast and for the podcast. So it's been a been a really good time. Um, is there any is there any more TV knocking around? I guess we're kind of out of the TV season now, aren't we? Um, yeah, I think I'm pretty chill right now. You know, yeah, it's been quite, it's nice to have yeah. a little bit of a break. Yeah, same. Like I think that's both why we've obviously been catching up on films, which has been nice. Because um, I do I, Goosebumps was the one that I do want to yeah. watch. That yeah, yeah, that's um, true. I really do too. But I realized this week, which I had no idea, was that the ones we got in around Halloween, that was only half the season. Oh, was it? And, and oh. they've just now dropped the second half. Oh, damn. Okay. <laughs> so it's also so so 10 episodes, because I thought it was just five. I thought it was always thought, just five. I thought five. it was just five. Yeah. yeah, and that was the complete story, because I remember reading each episode, and each episode title is a, is a classic Goosebumps book, and they're all like bangers. And then I saw the other five dropped, and they're even more. Like, I'm like, they've got Welcome to Horrorland in there, which is one of my favorite of the classic right. TV shows. I've got to watch this shit. I, yeah, I am going to start it. It's just that they are like 45 minutes, which feels long yeah. for that show. But um, I, I am going to start it in the next week as well. Um, who knows? We might be able to do a show on it, but I doubt we'll be able to cram in 10 episodes. Um, but uh, yeah, I definitely want to at least give it a go. Like I say, I'll, I'll watch a couple, see how I feel. I imagine I will like it because I have such a love for Goosebumps. But um, we'll, we'll yeah. see. Maybe it's a bit too sort of child friendly, but uh, yeah, we'll talk know. about that in the coming weeks. Um yeah. But yeah, that was a that was a great time. Always a lot of fun. Um, that was episode three hundred and seventy-one, where we discussed the fantastic Thanksgiving. Uh, thanks for listening, as always, and we'll see you again very soon. See you later, everyone. Look at me now.